You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Earth Station One with Mike and Mike. Howdy, sir. Howdy. How are you, my friend? I am good. You know, I hear life is a cabaret. There's times. There is times, but there's always something dark right around the corner at the same time. And I don't think it has, you know, the same meaning that you're thinking, though. That's part of the problem with it. And we got a really good show because we are going to be talking about Cabaret, the 1972 movie featuring Liza with a Z and Joel Grey. It's going to be really interesting to talk all about, and it's going to be a lot of interesting things because it's Darren's joining us for his LGBT segment, and he chose this movie for us to talk about. So should be kind of cool. And, you know, with everything that's going on in the world today and interesting stuff, it's just, it's neat to talk about something that touches on history, but is a musical aspect to it should be a lot of fun we also have you know a great victim this week in the geek seat and you know we've got a full show for you this week you know mike and i are both getting ready to head up to south carolina later this week and it's going to be great to see everyone at this sc comic con and robert puts on a great great show and we've got panels to talk about but we'll talk all about that during the con report we want to definitely hear from you guys, though. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. we got, you know, lots to talk about, but we also love hearing from you guys. It's part of the greatness of doing the show is getting feedback from you guys. You know, we get feedback up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. You know, people have been rating us up there. You can, too, of course. You know, we'd love – that's a great way to tell that people are listening. And, you know, thank you for everyone who's been subscribing to the show and, you know, listening up on all the different platforms. It's always great. And a big shout-out and thank you, thank you, thank you to all our patrons. You know, we definitely – want to thank everybody who's been supporting the network and supporting ESO, you know, helping by donating some money each month. And you, as we like to say, for as little as 25 cents, you can, you know, help support the network, support us here at ESO at earth station one earth station, who the dragon con report, all the other shows that you do. And, you know, we have on the network and a special thank you to our patrons we're giving you Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and the Dragon Con report early before the rest of the general public. So it's pretty awesome that we're, you know, able to do that for you guys on Patreon. And so 48 hours before, as a little bit of a reward, you get to hear the sh- these shows earlier. Hopefully, you know, you guys are enjoying it and, you know, giving it us a listen. Let us know what you guys think, though. You know, we definitely want to hear... Do you guys like getting it sooner? And, you know, this is our way to say thank you for everything you guys have done to us. I can actually say now we are going to have the second episode of the ESO Network Riffs coming to you in two weeks. We are going to have the Wrath of Khan. That's pretty awesome. And we're going to be talking all about it. And it's available to 
everyone on all levels of our Patreon. So, you know, people, you know, for like we keep on saying, donate whatever you can handle and you could hear ESO network riffs. It's going to be coming to you now from now on monthly. So, and I can let you know that for April, we're going to be doing Game of Thrones to get ready for the final season. So it should be a lot of fun. So, you know, get your dragons ready, get your, you know, fire swords, all that kind of cool stuff. And just remember, winter is coming. Well, to some people in the country, winter's almost over. So it's still going on. Oh, yeah. We had snow flurries here in Georgia this morning. It was actually kind of cold here today. Everyone was like panicking. I saw people lining up at the supermarket. Got to get milk, bread, and toilet paper. It's going to end. There's snow flurries. Ah. So you just have to worry about that. All right, let's get started with the show. We've got some rants and raves. And, you know, Mike, I've been thinking. Uh-oh. You know, we, That's we, never a good sign. It is kind of dangerous. I was listening to like some old music and stuff, and it was interesting. Judy and I were just playing around on YouTube the other day, and you know, we were like looking at you know old videos from the '80s and stuff like that, and you know. Coming up in August, it's going to be the 38th anniversary of MTV. Can you believe that? Wow. And so I was like thinking about it, you know, growing up, you know, what kind of music influenced you? I know you, you, we've talked about like when we've done our music shows and stuff, you very big into some of the Boston area bands, but what else, I'm just curious, like growing up, what kind of music influenced you? Well, I was a freak. Were you? I, I, yeah, I was. I, uh, I I used to tell people um, when they asked me what kind of music I liked, I used to, when I was uh, a little kid, like around, I don't know, 10, 12 or whatever, I used to tell people that I liked music without words. Really? Uh, so like because, classical music or? No, I, well, I mean, kind of, but I, I more like soundtracks. Like once I uh, heard the Star Wars soundtrack, once I saw Star Wars and took that soundtrack home, like soundtracks were my my thing. Like I, I collected them, I loved them, I listened to them all the time, whether it was uh, John Williams or uh, Jerry Goldsmith or uh, John Barry. Loved all the James Bond soundtracks I could get my hands on. Um, so I just listened to soundtracks. The only time when I was really, really young, my, uh, I grew up with my mom, like with, we had, you know, 45s that we played. So, uh, my mom had a pretty good collection of Elvis 45s. So I played those a lot. Uh, one of my favorite songs was Rock a Hula Baby. No shock to a lot of people. Um, so yeah, other, but after Elvis, um, and then, you know, I kind of somehow, and I don't know how all of this happened, but somehow, uh, the, the the Elvis morphed into soundtracks, which then morphed into um, I disco and R and B. Um, I was really big. There was a radio station called Kiss One Hundred Eight in in Boston, and uh, I listened to that all the time. And that's where I discovered Prince, who's was one of my favorite artists. Uh, that's where I discovered. This is like Prince before 1999. This is Prince like around uh, I Want to Be Your Lover. That was like one of the first Prince songs I heard and loved. Um, that kind of thing. And uh, 
um, Donna Summer, Diana Ross, um, like a lot of that stuff. Um, I was just uh, like Casey and the Sunshine Band, um, Cool and the Gang. Like I was into all of that. And uh, so that was very strange. Um, uh, And so, yeah, that was, yeah. And then soundtracks were still a big thing. Um, And then I listened, then I went through um, uh, pop music. Like I used to listen, we, I mean, my sister used to listen to Casey Kasem counting down the Casey's coast to coast, right. Counting down the top 40. Oh, sure. Uh, Of course. So we used to listen to that. And, and, you know, I have to say that, I mean, I don't know what the, I have no idea what the charts are like now, but I, I, I look back on it now and man, those, those during the like late seventies and eighties, man, the, the, the types of musics that you could, that you could hear in that, that span, I think it was like two or three hours where there was 40 songs that you were listening to because uh, it was the top 40 and you listen to all these songs and they were all so different. I mean, you'd get, you'd get like a rock song or a ballad, or you'd get like a soft song. You get some disco, you get some R and B, you get some, like, it was just a, a, like a weird sort of like introduction to like everything. So, um, so yeah. And then, you know, I went through like alternative music when MTV, when MTV started, like what you're talking about, when MTV started, then I, I got right on board with that. Cause I was definitely a guy who liked visuals. So, uh, so then I started uh, getting into bands like uh, Duran Duran and uh, uh, obviously Prince, Hall and Oates, that kind of thing. Like, uh, like strong videos were a good thing. Um, I was, we were pretty much on board with the MTV thing right when it started. Um, I don't remember you being actually watched MTV when it first started. I I I don't I wasn't there like right that first day, but I think within the year that it was there, like we had it. So Okay, that makes sense. Cool. No, that's awesome because we were like it's like I know for me when growing up, like we didn't get an MTV where we lived to like the mid eighties. The cable system that you know where I grew up just didn't ha- want to get MTV and you know, they just, they had country music television or stuff like that, but cause we were way outside of the main city mm. and, but we didn't have MTV. So our source of videos was like Friday night videos, Friday or, night, videos. night flight or, or night flight. Exactly. On USA. And it was, it was interesting to see that kind of stuff, but it paled by comparison to what MTV had. And, you know, we had to go to my cousins up in New Jersey to see what MTV was because everyone was talking about it. And it was just like, we didn't want to even go out when we went to go visit them or anything. We just wanted to sit around and watch Center MTV. Sit watching MTV, yeah, watching all the videos. Exactly. Wubba, and wubba, so, wubba. Exactly. And, you know, all the kids in the in the area were, like, calling the cable system, I want my MTV, you know, that whole thing. So yeah. then I have to ask you because – you know, the age old question, you know, whether it's Betty and Veronica, whether it's Ginger or Marianne. So I have to ask you in the MTV days, was it Martha Quinn or was it Nina Blackwood? For you? Oh, Martha Quinn, without a doubt. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Martha Quinn was one of my first crushes. Gotcha. Probably. Yeah. She's very much girl next door. I don't even know what they, uh, any of them do now. I think some of them are still in radio, but. Um, yeah. 
Um, I know a lot of them actually still do uh, Sirius XM radio shows. And so I know they're still around. But yeah, Martha Quinn was totally one of my first crushes. And probably I've seen pictures of her recently. Still very cute. And so, you know, I've always been like, ah, you know, she... It was interesting because she was like one of like her and Sarah Jane Smith were probably my two f- first crushes that I can remember. <laughs> and then, you know, slowly, you know, spreading my wings and meet seeing a lot of others. But yeah, but you know, Martha Quinn definitely. Nina Blackwood just was never my type. And you know, the she was the she always looked like the hard rocker type thing, chick and everything. I love Nina Blackwood's voice. You know, I oh, mean, she's got a like to me. It was, it was, yeah. She looked cool, but her voice was just like, oh, it just made me melt. Oh, of course. And so that was the kind of the cool thing about it. And you know, for me, it was like you know, growing up. You know, my parents were big, you know, ex hippies, and you know, so they got us into all the different kind of music, and they always had we always had music playing growing up, and you know, we had our radios we had our am radio to start with and then going up to you know finally get fm and you know albums and then cassettes and all that type of thing and you know you know my parents used to hate it because i always used to ruin their reel-to-reel tapes you know that type of stuff and yeah it was it was always always some neat stuff and you know music was always in place with us and you know that's why when i Actually, you and I first met through a blog that I used to do. It was all 80s videos. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, you were doing a, uh, was it a blog or just on social media? Because you were doing a song of the day, right? Right. I did Mike's 80s uh, video of the day. Yep. And I, it was a blog that I did. And, and Meanwhile, on my blog, I was posting Friday night videos. Like I used the whole like GIF of the Friday night videos logo. And I would find various uh, video clips on YouTube or wherever. Like it, it could be a trailer. It was usually a trailer, a music video of some kind, and whatever other video I thought might have been kind of cool at the time. So it was like three to five videos that I would post every Friday. Well, exactly. And I did my 80s videos and I did, you know, I I went a year without repeating or repeating a band, repeating a video. I had a, I had a, I still have the list of all the videos that I've, I did. Wow. And so we did daily a different 80s band. And of course we started it with the Buggles video killed the radio show and and it was pretty awesome doing that. And it was just a lot of fun to do, you know, the 80s videos and stuff. And it's just like a lot of nostalgia. And it finally, it started getting to be that I had to do research and stuff, you know, on different bands. So like, oh, wait a minute. No, that was 1979. Technically, I couldn't do that you know, <laughs> for, for certain ones. See, and, I had no such limitations. I was just like, I like this song, Post. Oh, I know there were tons of those too, you know, that I did and I loved doing those. And, 
you know, oh, I love that song. Oh, wait, we did Sticks. We can't do, we did Mr. Roboto. We can't do, you know, too much time on my hands or, you know, or Paradise, you know, theater or whatever. And, you know, it was just like, oh, uh, and there were some of them that made me cringe that I had to do it because I was doing a different video of the day. So, you know, and I'm actually playing with the idea of bringing it back and redoing it again. Uh, that's a, that's a big commitment. It is. And, but do it this time as a YouTube channel. So, you know, do something like that and, you know, tie it into something with ESO, but you know, we'll see, you know, playing with ideas and trying to figure that type of thing out. So all sorts of like legal stuff though. Oh yeah. Of course there's legal stuff and I don't want to pay royalties. So, right. <laughs> well, you'll pay. Don't think you won't pay. Oh, I know. Trust me. Yeah, it's uh, dealing with all that. That's what. That's where it gets to be nonsense, you know. It's like, uh, um, uh, especially when you deal with uh, music. So, because uh, of course, all really, kind of, you know, that that industry is really kind of like, no, no, I want that. I, I keep that. You know, like I need that. I need a nickel for that. Exactly. We need a nickel every time somebody watches that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, please don't. So it'll be interesting. So we got, you know, it's been kind of fun, but music has just always been there for us. And, you know, we definitely love talking about and, you know, love listening to new stuff and everything. And that actually leads into our Geek Seat segment where we have a musician joining us this week. That's so. right. That's right. And holy crap, I just, before we go to uh, our music guest, I just wanted to point out. So I, I was just curious because uh, you made me think about it. I looked it up and it was almost 10 years ago, uh, 10 years ago to the month because Friday, April 17th, 2009 is on my, on when I posted the very first Friday night videos on my blog. So I put, I am a child of the eighties and one show I watched religiously was Friday night videos. So I'm bringing it back blog style every Friday. I'll post some videos of interest. They won't all be music. In fact, I'll use this space to spotlight uh, a comic book trailer, movie trailer, or any other cool clip that tickles my fancy. So without further ado, and then I posted like some videos. So uh, most of it is still up on my blog. So if you just do like hashtag or whatever Friday night videos, you'll get to see like all of them. Um, And some of the links still work. Um, but uh exactly so you just have to <laughs> that, check it out that first one i posted a clip of davy knowles with backdoor slam boy he looks like he's like 10 there and he probably is and uh i also posted a link to sarah susan boyle because she was hot at the time uh, i don't think susan boyle was ever hot dude <laughs> <laughs> i meant she was a hot property Oh, okay. I was going to say, wait a minute. Hey, teach their own. Like, look, I mean, hey, if you like that sort of thing, that's okay. I mean, you you know, you can't knock the voice. That's for sure. That is true. All right. Let's take a quick break. And we will be back in a moment with the Geek Seat. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. 
We've got a certain little superhero movie coming out in theaters this weekend. That's right, it's finally time for Captain Marvel. I don't know a lot about the plot on this one, but I've actually done that on purpose. I know with some of these movies, I can get super into trying to guess what the plot's going to be, finding out all the details about the story, but this one, I kind of wanted to just walk in and be surprised. So I'm really looking forward to checking it out in theaters this weekend. It's kind of interesting that it's set in the 1990s, so that will be something a little bit different. And of course, we're all curious to see how it will tie into Infinity War and if Captain Marvel will play a role in finally defeating Thanos. And it's also the first female-led superhero movie in the MCU, so that's a cool milestone. And that's actually pretty much it for wide release this week. No one really wants to take on a big MCU movie. I hear it's tracking for a pretty big debut weekend, so that will be cool to see. We do have a couple new stuff coming out on DVD that you might want to make note of. We have the movie Creed 2, which is, of course, the Rocky spinoff starring Michael B. Jordan. I have actually not seen the first one of this. I really need to. I've wanted to. It's one of those movies that's been on my perpetual to-be-watched list, so maybe this is a good time to make it a double feature. Finally, we've got The Favorite, which is a dark comedy period piece. You might have heard some Oscar buzz surrounding this one, and it's about two cousins competing to be court favorites of Queen Anne of Great Britain. It stars Olivia Coleman, who of course won Best Actress at the Academy Awards, so that's pretty cool. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog, boxofficebuzzab.wordpress.com. Coming up soon, we'll have a review of Captain Marvel. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on over 30 more podcast outlets, including our friends right here at the ESO Network. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for the Geek Seek segment, and this week we're being introduced to Trevin. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Yes, welcome Thank to the station. For those people who may not be familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, before I get into that, I'll say uh, thank you for inviting me on the show. Uh, we, we haven't met before, but I've been uh, working on the upcoming Tiki Zombie CD with Ricky from uh, the Possum Kingdom Ramblers. And everything I heard from that is so far is excellent. So. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I've just don't, been on the mixing end, uh, but we've got, I want to say, three songs kind of done. And uh, we'll be tweaking some this week and, and starting the, another song called All of This, uh, trying to get that one in the can. So. And we're actually on a CD together. Um, oh, which one? Because um, uh, Ricky put out the, Gentrine Records put out the promo um uh, a couple a few years ago and there are some tracks from the first tiki zombie cd on there. Oh, that's right yeah and yeah, there's some friends. tracks from mantelpiece on there that's right we're, we're the last we're the closer we're the last <laughs> you close yeah. I, I i'm the opening act oh there you go the book, <laughs> the book so Fair yeah enough. so tell us a little bit about uh mantelpiece and and everything else you've got going on it's uh primarily studio band we've been based in atlanta for a long time and uh I don't know, we have about, I don't know, six full-length albums and a bunch of other stuff scattered around, thanks to Gentron Records and a couple singles. And it's myself and uh, Kevin Little, uh, Sandra Porter, and a bunch of other writers and musicians who are pretty much regulars 
Um, but we're, yeah, but primarily a studio band and, uh, Kevin and I also play regular with a band called uh, Nightwind Rhythm and Blues Band around Atlanta. A good bit. So very nice. Yeah. How would you describe Mantelpiece as far as the music? Rather diverse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, is this kind of like it, it's you're crossing a lot of uh, you're checking a lot of boxes. Let's put it that way. Right. We, we like a lot of stuff, and having multiple writers, we uh, we tend to just kind of record and write what we want. Um, but no, uh, the the newest album is uh, Tales Along the Flint River, and it's definitely got more Mar- Americana feel. And we kind of, you know, kind of first time we were inspired by a place, so we tried to really adapt to the feel of, of the Flint river and the people around it and that kind of thing. So, so currently we, I would say we're Americana, but that's not always true. So. Gotcha. That's very cool. That's very yeah. well put. Yeah. Um, how long have you been playing music? Uh, forever. My mom was a music <laughs> teacher and I had no choice. So. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. You were drafted. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She was a marching band assistant director and a choral director and a music teacher. And so, yes. Yeah, what, yeah, what, um, like as far as instrumentation or, mm-hmm. or was it singing? What, what, what kind of turned you on when it came to music early on? Really just cause it was all around. Uh, I, I did both. I, I started playing cello in third grade, fourth grade trumpet. I always sang since I was probably in church choir since age five, you know, that kind of thing. So it was just always around. So, and mom did, uh, piano lessons in the living room when I was little. So, you know, but if I didn't go out to a group, it came in. So, you know. Was there was there an instrument or a song or anything that you did uh, like early on that you connected with and said, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I, I love doing this. I want to keep doing this." Not really as a player, but as, as a fan, as a musician, as a listener of music, rather. Um, I had my my dad's sister, my aunt, uh, her old forty fives from the fifties, and really, to be honest, late forties and fifties, and they were gifted to him. She was ten years older than him, and and. Uh, and somehow I got them at like age three. So I, I really just think it was just listening to that and eventually learning to play music was like, well, I could do that too. You know, and I think that happened young for me of I could do that too. And just started, you know, messing around and picking out stuff. So but yeah, it was a weird beginning for me because you know, I knew a lot of songs that no one else, none of my friends did in elementary school because <laughs> <laughs> it was listening to Walk Like a Man by at that point, you know, so. Gotcha. Yep. The, uh, um, yeah, that's, Definitely not. Uh, it's the opposite of me, actually, because uh, no musical uh, folks in the family at all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, and to make it and playing instruments was a challenge for me. So, uh, yeah, so it's been a struggle my yeah. entire life. Uh, I've, I've, I appreciate music. Yeah. But, uh, you know, performing and playing it is 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 not an easy thing for me. Well, most people I know have music uh, thrust upon them by, you know, a. Uh the idea of a, from a parent. So you didn't get that is what you're saying. So no, no, actually. Uh, yeah. It wasn't like you have to take piano lessons right, or yeah. I mean, most of it was, I would have loved to. I mean, I, I, I think looking back on it now, I say that now, I don't know right. if I would have loved to back then well, if they had made me, but. And everyone I know who doesn't I, play I, piano says that, you know, it says <laughs> my, my parents didn't make me. I wish they had you, you know how to play. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone I know who doesn't play piano said, I wish they, my parents would have forced me like yeah. every other kid I knew, you know, it's kind of like the people who don't type right, you know, like they, they don't type with the actual like, you know, style, like we're using like both hands and all that. That's right. That's right. It's like I only, you know, use the, the two finger method because I never really learned how to do it the other way. So. I use the right hand and then one finger on the other. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I can relate. Yep. 
Very cool. Well, um, so how has your musical career progressed? I mean, where did what uh, did you did you start uh, from an early age, like producing and and playing your own music, writing Actually, your own music? Yeah, uh, fairly young. Um, you know, middle school age. Uh, you know, had started a rock band, and and I was also the main uh, main engineer as well. You know, producer and uh, engineer, producer, and you know, but not necessarily a writer. Uh, I had other friends who I thought did a better job at that, and. And, you know, as, as people come and go and things change, just, yeah, it was kind of like, well, if I want to keep uh, producing stuff and and uh, creating music, I'm going to have to step up and do my own. So uh truth is, though, uh, Kevin, who's also in the band, and yes, it's Kevin and Trevin, both in Mantelpiece. And uh, he uh, really, when he jumped into it, he jumped into it more as a writer. Uh, his primary instrument, primary instrument is guitar, but he really was 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 writing as he was learning to play. So it was... So I didn't always, uh, wasn't always in bands with him, but that's kind of why we started this studio project, uh, was just because it, he needed an outlet and I needed material to produce. So it's worked out well for many years. I, I definitely have learned, uh, certainly when we made this first CD, uh, that really opened my eyes as far as, as the actual production behind, behind, you know, studio work. And, uh, it does seem to take a different sort of skills. Uh, mixing, producing, being on the production side than it is on the performance side. Very much. And I I have a very good friend of mine that I grew up with who is one of the best live engineers I've ever met. And as much as, you know, I started mixing audio live, which then got me into, you know, buying equipment and doing it in the studio. But I've really geared my ear towards studio and I'm very envious of his ear for live. He's got a much better EQ ear and he can really narrow in to make every instrument sound just perfect and and in a live atmosphere for, for someone to have that skill to make it sound like the record live. I don't have that skill, but yes, it is a different skill set than just playing or just writing. It's a, it's a different animal. What would you say is like from a producing standpoint, um, some of the keys to, to being a good uh, producer uh, as far as um, putting together tracks? In them? I mean, this may sound a little cliche, but uh just being a music fan, uh, the, one of the reasons I think we get away with the mental piece itself, doing so many different styles is all of us are fans of different styles. So our ear, you know, kind of knows, you know, what a progressive rock song sounds like compared to a, you know, fifties pop tune, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's, we just kind of, I want to do the style thing and someone will ultimately say, well, you need this kind of guitar sound. Oh, what do I need again? You know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's really by ear. You know, who who kind of has the ear for that particular style that that skill helps yeah that's that's the other thing i learned is that uh in addition to you know good talented skills that you would need to perform like uh certainly behind the scenes you you definitely need a good ear and yeah. uh yeah. I, I think when we were like i know for when we were producing the um the 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 first like i said the first cd it was it was crazy uh especially you know, listening to tracks back and, mm-hmm. and in particular, uh, Bambi has an incredible ear as far as mm-hmm. I, I'm concerned. And she was able to just isolate like, Oh, nope, that's, that's off. That's off. That's off. Like, and <laughs> yep, I'm like, yep, yep. I don't hear what you're talking about at all. Yep. And I like working with her cause she finds now, a lot of times her and I will hear the same things, but to be a more honest, she'll hear things I don't hear, you know? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, missed that one. You know? And I'm, <laughs> Glad to have her in the room. Yes, yes. Yeah, she is like she's phenomenal when it comes yeah. to. She's almost like I think that's her mutant power. Yeah, 
I would agree. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. In addition to the fact that she can play and, and sing really well too. That's right. That's right. So yeah, yeah. she's. Just, I just hate people who are talented. I hate them. I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, um, I, I play multiple instruments, but I, I'm not really that great on any. So I understand. Yeah, I'm always in. <laughs> which everybody's better than me, but I I chose the path of uh, more is better, which wasn't really true. It was just it was the easier way to get by. So. Well, tell us about the tell us about the newest album. Uh, what uh, what uh, what it's about? Uh, how long it's been? You know, in, in yep. production and uh, yeah, what's what's the goal? Well, being a studio group, we usually take our sweet time, and this time we didn't. Uh, it was about <laughs> only two years ago. I, this is actually a weird story. It's just kind of funny how, how things begin artistically. I was uh, I woke up at like four thirty in the morning, and uh, I don't know what woke me up, but whatever it was, I couldn't go back to sleep right away. Um, so I looked on, you know, so I grabbed Facebook as everyone does. They grab their phone and look around and some article or something, I didn't know what it was. So I just copy pasted it in Wikipedia and looked it up. And at the time, I don't know if Wikipedia's uh, app does this anymore, but if you, if you looked something up on Wikipedia and then closed it and then came back to it three days later, it was still on what you last looked at. So I got in the habit of always kind of resetting, going back to the homepage just out of habit every time. Cause you know, I don't really need to know what your Mary Tyler, Mary Tyler Moore died, you know, next time I... <laughs> go to wikipedia anyway so when i went and reset this page back to the, back to zero or back to the beginning it said places of interest near you and it said the flint river and i'd lived in the same community which is a uh, college park right at the you know tail end or the bottom end of atlanta right between the airport and atlanta and um right uh, about three blocks away from me is the headwaters is the start of the flint river so i just started you know doing a little bit of research about it and by five thirty in the morning i had a song idea and wrote it and this was in like May of that year. And I kind of looked, well, when, when can I kind of travel this river and kind of check it out and just see, you know, because you, know, you hear about the Chattahoochee in Atlanta all the time. Right. Uh, the Flint is the second largest river in, uh, in Georgia. So I saw I had some time in August. So this was in May. And I, so some months went by and, and had many summer jobs and, and uh, had some time. And uh, Kevin and I just started I said, okay, these are the three days we're going to travel this river. And and we did. And uh, immediately found a lot of hidden gems down in Albany and uh, Spurwell Buff, Bluff State Park. And, and we went the whole way down to uh, the Florida line and where the, where actually the Chattahoochee and the Flint River meet at Lake Seminole. And then we just, you know, kind of got to that Florida line, turned around and came back up because technically the water turns into a different name. So we thought, well, we'd done the Flint um, but as he as Kevin at the time lived in South Carolina and he was heading back, he said, I, I really want to write a whole lot more about this and uh, this experience and the people and just, just the, the fact that this is an unpopular or, or not as accessible river. Uh, but still there's this awesome history. And, and again, it's kind of like comparative to the Chattahoochee where people use it a lot. There's a lot of good entry points. The Flint really isn't like that. So, um, Really, that just spawned this whole record. And, and to be honest, it's more like a double album. We put out The Tales Along the Flint River is the name of the record. And um, Finding the Flint is another album that's kind of a companion album to it. It's uh, some instrumental songs as well as instrumental versions, and more, more expanded versions than, uh, than are on the actual CD. So, so that's wow. how it all began. And I guess that's how it all ended up. So it just came out this year and um, uh, both records. And the CD itself actually has uh, songs from both of those on it. So there's a CD version and the two digital copies. 
Very cool. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And, and it's, uh, it, I, yeah, I just couldn't like, I, I, I was like, I don't even know what that is. I mean, of course I think of Flint, Michigan. Sure. Um, a lot of people do. When yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah, and I was looking that's at it and I'm like, Oh, so that's enjoy. Yeah, you're right. I didn't, I had no idea that this existed. Well, and I, I got to say with that, yeah, it, probably if you saw the album cover, you're probably like, Oh wait, that's not it. Um, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> one of the coolest stories. We're driving down 74 going you know it's a good nice state route and then lots of pine trees and farms and everything we get on this straightaway and i say is that a mountain because you know i know of the north georgia mountains i've been there many times and in the creeks and in the water and sure enough i didn't realize that where we were headed was towards those mountains and and the river flows right between it and it's very picturesque but it's in south georgia who talks about the mountains of south georgia and i'm I'm making this up, but I think there are three, you know, maybe five, <laughs> but it was quite a sight to see. And that really was the fun part of the journey was, was the fact that we didn't, we, we literally had Google maps and, uh, and a paper map and that was it. And we were just going to stop at every bridge and every, you know, outpost we could find or whatever was along the way, but seeing those mountains and then falling in love with that particular area in Thomaston, uh, right past, uh, Woodbury was, uh, oh, I mean, I've been there tons of times with family and friends now because you know many people in atlanta go to lake lanier uh when they want to jump in a natural uh they sure do area <laughs> yeah and, and i i go down south to the flint so wow yep. wow well look at that you uh, be careful because you'll make it popular I, I, that was that's the danger if i promote this record too much <laughs> <laughs> that's the danger yep, yep. it won't, won't be just me and the dog you know so yeah well speaking of danger it is time Mike, for uh, he is all strapped in. Uh, he sounds too been, chipper. Uh, you know, been, uh, you've been bringing me too many chipper people lately. You, you know, you have to bring fear to well, them. Let I, them I, know there's danger ahead. I love, I love the dichotomy. I love the dichotomy. They start off chipper, but then you know, because this is the hot seat now. That's why it, it it's all it, yeah. doom and gloom after from this point on. Oh, you have no idea what's ahead of you, <laughs> sir. <laughs> oh, Rapids ahead, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that flint theme that's good that's good uh, you know I, I was listening i wasn't just off surfing the web or something like that okay. while you were talking no i was paying attention all right sir you ready for your first question in the geek seat sure sure what was your favorite geek out moment my favorite geek out moment uh can i ha- can i have two <laughs> for you sure <laughs> okay it's the See the, see, the screws are getting tight here. Uh, well, uh, clearly, one of my, uh, my, my, my geekdom goes towards music, and, and I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, Rush fan, uh, even bigger Yes fan. And uh, I, in, uh, was it was the 1994 Pink Floyd show, probably the last Pink Floyd show, came through Atlanta at uh, the Georgia Tech uh, Stadium. I had 13th row tickets and everyone was clearing out. The lights were turned on. The band is waving goodbye to everyone. And it's pretty obvious that David Gilmore is uh, not leaving the stage. He's too busy waving and people are, you know, handshaking and that kind of thing. But I wasn't up front. I was 13th row. And so the guy I went with, a friend of mine, we were actually the audio engineer I was talking about earlier. Him and I are just standing there just kind of watching Dave and really not wanting to walk out with the crowd. Might as well let it filter out a little bit. And right as Dave turns to leave, I just jump up and scream and wave, hey, Dave. And he turns around and waves right at me. I was like, oh, my God, David Gilmore just waved at me. 
So as much as that was a great geek out moment for me, a big fan, uh, you know, as Pink Floyd, very much engineers as much as writers and, and musicians as well. Uh, about a, a year or two later, I kept it going at a Rush concert. Same scenario, Getty Lee is going back and forth on the stage. I'm actually in a bad seat up in a corner. I just leap out of my chair, yell Getty, hand up, wave at him, and he waves right at me. And I'm like, oh, what a high. So very good geek out moments. But the story doesn't end there. Then at a Yes concert, front row, many moons later, Chris Squire is walking, walking, uh, almost marching straight towards me. I jump out of my chair. I give him a big wave, and he turns around and walks the other way. So two very great geek out moments and one epic fail. So I didn't get the trifecta. And now that Chris Squire is no longer with us, that moment is gone. So, yeah, you know, you could have said, well, maybe that was the predictor right there or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a few years later. But, anyway. you know, I'm trying to look on the bright side, man. Well, knowing that was probably only one album later. But anyway. Oh, so, exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but yeah, that was my favorite and most memorable, uh, you know, celebrity, brush with fame. Uh, right there, having having the wave from David Gilmore and Getty Lee. So. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Most disappointing, I'd say. Uh, I can't remember what year, but it was it was at a Dragon Con where the MythBusters, the 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 build team of the MythBusters, were supposed to be there. So Carrie Byron, the the lovely redhead, yeah. was uh, supposed to be signing autographs. And after a good uh, two hours of waiting, and she never showed up. That was oh, that was a great oh yeah. Apparently she was on site and the other, the the guys were there, but I wasn't there to see the dudes. So <laughs> that was my most disappointed. I was quite excited, waited, waited. And, uh, and, and a girl I went to high school with was there with her family. And so I, it, it actually was, you know, so even having someone that you know to talk about, you know, their, their geekdom about the show and about Carrie herself. And then, yeah, she didn't show. So she was apparently in Atlanta, but got hung up at some other interview or something. So yeah. that was very disappointing. Oh no. Yeah. That's always the suckiest part. Cause the dragon con, so many different things are going on and you know, you never know yep. when people get canceled, people get stuck, yeah, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Well, we were being teased told she was, well, she's, she's coming. She's here. She's here. Yeah. She's here. Yeah. She's in yeah. Georgia. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh. I saw C3PO and a couple other people, but you know, that wasn't Carrie Byron. No. So you know. it's, it's never Carrie Byron. Come on. No, that's right. <laughs> I, I feel uber thankful now that I did manage to get her autograph. Well, there you go. See, <laughs> you don't remember it as a tragedy of life. Then. Exactly. Like, no. and it's, it's funny because I, 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 yeah. the opposite happened to me. I got her autograph and I think they were like, oh, do you want the other two guys too? And so she <laughs> like, like they, uh, yeah, they, yeah, Tori and Grant signed it as well. And I was, so I have this picture of her with yep. all three. With all three. You know, hey, I got a picture with, with my son and Grant having a lightsaber battle that year. Oh, uh, you win. That's yeah. cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And that was all spontaneous because it was over in the vendor room. Yeah. At the well, I'm glad it worked out for, for, for guys named Mike. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it is our show. Come on. Hello. That's right. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what keeps you out the most? Uh, well, like I said, uh, music, but, but more specifically, I'm a big uh, Mark Knopfler fan, Mike Nesbitt fan, and Jeff Lynn of uh, ELO fame. Oh, yeah. Those are, are you going this it, year? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to uh, – my sister got me uh, – the last time he performed in America here or the, the last tour was on my birthday in Philly. So uh, that was a, quite a treat. I was at that show also. Uh, excellent. All right. Dude. I bought so much merch, con convinced it was the last, and now he's coming to Atlanta. So, yeah, yeah it's exactly. fantastic. It's like <gasps> – But no, but 
how those bands and those artists geek me out the most is because they're, they're writers, they're musicians and producers and, uh, you know, so I, my, uh, idols, but I think how I geek out on them is every rare demo, every, you know, record box set that comes with that rare DVD, you know, I spend hundreds to satisfy that geek urge of their music. So way too many monkeys box sets with, because it has that one mic version that the others don't, you know, that kind of thing. So it's an issue. Yep. No, totally understand that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It just shows you have good taste too. So it's pretty. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That is pretty awesome, man. Okay. I'm going to geek off, you know, right alongside of you there. Okay. (laughs) But let's find out what turns your geek off. Uh, That I'd have to turn to uh, the world of uh, television. I'd say the thing, I don't know if it turns it off or it just makes me angry. Uh, That would be, uh, I have a, uh, let's see here, a hankering for, what's the word I'm looking for? I have a, a, a very great pool of desire to watch non-traditional uh, cop kind of detective dramas, your eye zombies, if you will, uh, your Scooby-Doo's, you know, I'm sure it comes from, from uh, that way as a kid. I like the non-traditional detective shows or mystery shows. And my biggest thing that turns my geek off would be when they retool them. And clearly from one season to the next, it's not the same show anymore. It just has the same characters. It's like what company bought this and, retweaked it mm-hmm. so oh and yeah they do that and I, way too often oh yeah and i what comes to mind not only i said i zombie but also uh dark angel i loved dark angel a girlfriend of mine and i we it was one of the only shows we totally loved together and by second season it was so retooled we were like we, we have to stop <laughs> so and you know that, that was sad so no I totally understand that yeah no that is yeah. cool that is really cool that you you know that you have that kind of you know thing but it's so disappointed like all you're like i'm ready for the next season it's like who is the show that's yes, right you know well do, do you happen to remember the show uh john doe it only had one season oh yeah yep and ended with the best twist cliffhanger ever and then it was erased from existence so that was it there was also a show <laughs> called nowhere man i don't know if you remember. yeah oh love that yeah, yeah. and it was awesome, yeah. and it only lasted one season. At, one season? Yeah, Bruce, right. Bruce Boxleiter was it, I think. I can't remember his name. Yeah. I just remember the show. So awesome. yeah, no, it was um, – <laughs> oh, man, it's going to kill me because I, I know who that is because he was uh, – he played um, – he was in Star Trek. He was in – he's been in everything. Yeah. Um, now I can't think of his he name. He was uh, Captain Pike. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, yeah. He also does – he also voices a very good Batman, too. Yes. So yeah, because um, that also had yeah. the greatest <laughs> twist at the end. And uh, all right, bring back next season. Sorry. That's right. Sorry, not coming back. It's like no. I remember it was a good halfway through the series. They they you figure out that the uh, girlfriend has the same time traveling ability, and you're like, oh, this is going to be a team effort. This is great, and then it ends. Yeah, you know, exactly. So. Damn them. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet? Uh I'd say uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Which version? Uh, the the man the real man the, real the, man. the, 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 the character that grew from you know the padawan to the master ah. I, I, jedis in, in in general the, the biggest uh, appeal to me is their confidence that you know the fact that they you, you can open up any scene they're in the worst possible danger they have all this cockiness this confidence about them because they know hey, this is just another day at work i'm going to get out of this and to me, Obi Wan does it uh, does it the best. So, 
So that'd be cool to have. A, it wouldn't be a conversation. It'd be more like, can I sign up for your, your class? Your, Will uh, you train me, Master yeah. Obi-Wan? There it is. Exactly. Yeah. At least a weekend session of uh, how to be, how to know you're going to come out of every room on top, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So. Well, exactly. But, you know, his last two just didn't work out too well for you, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, since I had to look it up, since I, it was bugging me, and I know listeners at home were going yelling at us, it was it's Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood, that's right. Greenwood, that's it. That's yep. right. Okay, thank you, Mike. Yeah, thank you. What fictional character would you like to meet the least? Uh, sticking with the Star Wars fame, I, I'd go with the uh, whiny Anakin from the <laughs> from the films. <laughs> uh, but I'd have to, you know, counteract that with, uh, but but you know, Clone Wars, uh, Anakin. You know, quite a badass. Again, the confidence, man. That's that's what it is. That, uh, the, yeah. So I wouldn't care to meet uh, whiny Anakin from one, two, and three, or, or really two and three. Yeah. So, yeah, I can understand that. You can't take it out on the kid, you know. Like, no, no, no. You can, but, but no. you know, yeah. you, you got well, a lot much, of bad looks. Well, as much as you know, a lot of people are really. You know, I, I hope to not get any negative press here. Over a lot of people love the Luke Skywalker story. I I like the Anakin story, but. I don't like the whiny uh, episodes. So mm-hmm. I like the character development of Anakin from beginning to end and including Darth in case some people see Darth as separate. I, I include that part too, you know, but yeah, but whiny Anakin, uh, I, that's okay. I don't need to beat him. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, or quote? Ah, it's, it, it, I live by a geek phrase. Uh, I, I don't know if it, the, the world knows where this come from, but I imagine half the world does. Uh, when you do things right, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. From Futurama, <laughs> uh, it's a, the episode um, "Godfellows," where Bender meets God, and uh, he's trying to. Uh, Fry is looking for the existence of God. Bender meets God, and in the end, is you know, is God real? And God says, laughs uh, because Bender does something right, and he says, uh, "Well, when you do things right, people won't uh, be sure you've done anything at all." So. So I live by that uh, geek line. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm a behind the scenes guy. So it, you know, as a, as a, uh, as far as what I do behind the scenes, it applies to that aspect of life as well. It's just good, good words to live by. So, Oh yeah. And it's said yeah. by God. Well, the character of God anyway. So. Touche. Good point there. Yeah. 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 So. What is your ideal geek occupation? Uh, going back to the Jeff Lynn, uh, he, he has a guy and I don't know the guy's name. I, I'm not as big of a geek as I should be, I guess. <gasps> yeah, I know. There's a guy who, uh, at one point in Jeff Lynn's career was hired to come to his home six days a week and record for him. He was his engineer. And I thought that that's a job. <laughs> when I learned of this, I was like, well, that's, that's what I want to do every day. And, you know, I'd, I'd be disappointed about, you know having the seventh day off, but yeah. So just to hear all those rare demos instead of having to buy them or track them down or get a really crappy uh, download. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather just be his direct engineer. That'd be great. That is awesome. Yep. <laughs> what geek occupation would you not like to do though? Oh, well, I can't think of it. I mean, I, you know, I like all forms of entertainment pretty much. Uh, I, I, I think uh, a uh, stormtrooper who works in sanitation would be the worst uh, geek job to do, if that counts. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Nope, that's a good one. That, <laughs> okay. That is a really good one. All right. All right. 
<laughs> Are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? I hope so. Okay. Remember, this is for all the marbles. <laughs> okay. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Oh, this this one's a real one, unlike my sanitation comment. Um, I'd love to run a record store. So, but but well, a little bit more to that. I'd have to have uh, a studio upstairs and probably live on the level above that. So, uh, but no, a record store uh, would be great, especially uh, possibly along the Flint River. You know, maybe where there isn't a record store and and people feel <laughs> there should be. And I don't know, focus on uh, the music of Capricorn Records or something like that. If I'm down south, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, so yeah, I'd love to run a record shop, but also have the recording studio upstairs. So something like that. That would be cool. That would be yeah. really cool. That'd be, that'd be. Well, I got some news for you, sir. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Oh, sweet. <laughs> that was it. All right, good. Mr. Mike Gordon, went... tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $68.08. All right. That, 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 I was thinking there'd be a box set involved, but that, that will do just fine. Well, there is Rice Aroni, <laughs> the San Francisco tree. <laughs> That's a box. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. Well, very cool. Well, Trevin, it's been great talking to you and yeah, uh, you. and getting to know you a little bit. Um, so, where can people find your music? Where can can they check you out? Uh, like, uh, do you play live or what's going on with you? Uh, Kevin and I do uh, some live stuff with Nightwind Rhythm and Blues Band. Uh, do some blues festivals and just stuff around Atlanta. But uh, the main place where we always are is, of course, on at uh, Mantelpiece Band on Facebook and Spotify. If Mantelpiece doesn't get you there, look, uh, Mantelpiece Band, and that usually finds us on all social media sites and, and downloadables and listening and all that good stuff, streaming. Well, we will definitely have a link to it in the show notes as well. So oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, good luck with the, the album. There. Yeah, thank you. It's doing well, and a lot of people like it. They say it's our best work, which makes the next one even harder to live up to. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. should be fun. And again, let me also publicly say thank you so much for all the work that you're doing on the new Tiki Somni album. It sounds really good. Sure, I can't great. wait for other people to hear it. I appreciate that. No, it's been it's been a lot of fun too. It's uh, it's it's fun to work on other people's stuff because you know then, you know, I get to be critical about how other people play, not me. So yeah, <laughs> so thank you for letting me, you know, be judgmental of others. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. But I get to fix it and make him sound even better. That's going to be fun watching him produce from the geek seat because, you know, he's stuck there for a while. That's right. So, all right, man. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. We're going to be talking all about Cabaret. You made a fool of me. Do you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always, but now you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is click on the link on the top navigation of the ESO Network website or go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. This was Germany in the early 30s. Hello, stranger. Full of life. And love. Meine Damen und Herren, Mesdames et Messieurs, 
This was Sally Bowles in the early 30s. Oh, well, I dash all day and I work late at the cabaret. Full of life. I love parties. Doesn't my body drive you wild with desire? And love. Oh, A special girl. I'm going to be a great film star. <laughs> that is a booze and sex. Don't get me first. On the brink of something fantastic. I mean, it would be funny, wouldn't it, if he asked me to become the next Baroness von Hoyne in Regensburg? And frightening. <laughs> <laughs> Bowles. I'm Brian Roberts. And I have this strange, mystical, daddish feeling about you. So you're moving right in, okay? Okay? Have you ever slept with a dwarf? Once, but it wasn't a lasting relationship. Do you sleep with girls or don't you? Sally, you don't ask questions like that. I do. The poor man. He tries to love me. I may have my tiny faults. God damn it, I'm good! Sally is rather knowledgeable in these areas. Does it really matter as long as you're having fun? What good is sitting all alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret. Start by admitting from cradle to tomb. It isn't that long a stay. Life is a cabaret, old chum. It's only a cabaret, old chum. And I Willkommen, benvenue, welcome. Hello, everyone. It's Darren again. LGBT time. Woohoo! How are y'all? I can't hear you, but I'm just hoping everything's okay with you guys. So we're going to be talking about one of my favorite touchstone musicals ever, uh, the Candor and Ebb Cabaret. And Candor and Ebb are two great Broadway uh, men. Uh, you probably know their other uh famous book work which is chicago so they they did not stray away from the social commentary at all in their movie musicals but let's talk about cabaret in specific cabaret is based on a book called the berlin stories by noted gay writer christopher isherwood and isherwood had traveled to berlin to meet with his friend uh wh auden and he spent some time in the seamy bohemian underbelly of Berlin, but then had to leave because the politics had taken a turn um, for the not-so-great, as, as we will see in our um, discussion of cabaret. I know the mics are here. Are y'all talking tonight? Okay. They're, I, they're way been, quieter been, than normal. I've been, I've, been, I've been in awe of you, Darren, with all the knowledge on this. The awe? <laughs> we're just we're, we're just letting you go, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the all. Hey, uh, so I think, <laughs> um, if I'm not mistaken, Darren, I, I think 
I've, I've discovered that you uh, must no. have some sort mm-hmm. of ties to the FX channel or, or maybe getting paid for them <laughs> or something because, because I, I, I think it was going. like, like last year, the year before we covered, um, uh, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? We, you covered, um, what is it? Uh, whatever happened to baby Jane. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then FX came out with a series. It was like, Feud. right. Like right after we did the show. I know. Uh, Wasn't it amazing right? timing? And now here we are covering Cabaret. And guess mm-hmm. what? what? FX has a series about Bob Fosse coming out. Oh, Bob Fosse. Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. Yes. So great I, man, I, great choreographer, great director. I see well, what that's you're doing, for sure. sir. I see what you're doing. Uh, you know, this, this broadcast is sponsored by no one. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> but uh, I will say, okay, so my uh, history with Cabaret is uh, probably, um, well, I think it just started like two days ago when I, when oh, okay. I, when I watched the movie. Um, no, that's, that's it, completely it's, fair. It's one that I've heard of. Uh, obviously, I've, I've heard of the movie, uh, more, the, more so the movie than the play. Um, and I know the movie is based on the play, but... Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it was one of those that I was always curious about, but I just never just had, you know, it was never one of those things that just never came up. And, uh, um, but, you know, obviously with the performers, uh, Joel Gray and uh, um, Eliza, like this is, I don't know if that was the, the thing that put them on the map, but certainly uh, it was the the movie that kind of sealed them as, like major star as stars. Yeah. yeah, I would say that. Um, um, I Liza with a Z obviously. Yes. Yes. She, uh, all roads on the LGBTQ show go back to Garland at some point or another. <laughs> and here we are again. They're, they're yellow brick roads. Are you, are they, they are, um, they are yellow brick roads that's so true. there. And then Joel gray, his family have been in show business in the vaudeville days. He grew up in theater. He just like, I mean, he just is, I mean, everything I've seen him in other things and I've seen Liza in other things, but I've never, you know, seen them in this. And of course he is the father of Jennifer gray from Ferris Bueller's day off right. and dirty dancing and dirty dancing and married it, to agent Colson. Yes. But, uh, Joel gray actually came out later in life. So he, not only was he Jewish or is Jewish, he's also gay. Mm. So this, so this, this, this movie definitely has Ooh. a lot of like. There, there's a lot of uh, subtext. You know, <laughs> so. it does not. It does not spoon feed you, and when it does, it's usually with a kick to the throat. Yeah, I was going to say it's not subtle at all. No, but no, it's not. It is amazing. <laughs> there's nothing subtle well, about. I mean, this it's directed by Bob Fosse. Bob Fosse is not subtle. I, I know that enough about him. So. But but they have enough tricks in the movie to make you go, oh, this is a nice musical. That's a great number. Oh, my God. So uh, earlier, <laughs> earlier, like, oh, earlier this year, I saw for the first time, speaking of Judy Garland, I saw for the first time uh, the new version of A Star is Born. I had never okay. seen any of the previous versions so yeah, it's like number four or five. My, yeah, exactly. Number it was five. the fourth one. And so I had in my head what I thought the story was. And it turns out when I saw the movie, I was like, whoa, this is not what I thought the story was going to be at all. Similarly with Cabaret, I had in my head kind of thought I knew what it was going to be about, 
Mm-hmm. And I even like thought that, you know, the, the classic image of Liza in the garters and the black sleek dress and all that with the short mm-hmm. hair, like I thought for sure, like that's what she's wearing when she's singing the title track. Not close at all. Like, no. <laughs> I didn't even get that right. I was like, wow, I am <laughs> totally, this is like a really new, new experience for me. I had seen it originally probably mm-hmm. 30 years ago and on HBO. And Joel, I remember because I was younger, Joel Grace oh, yeah. scared the hell out of me. <laughs> oh, oh, the MC. We'll, we'll get to him. We're going we're to get oh, yeah. to him because you have to look at that and go, really? What were they doing here? Exactly. But it was also, for me, it was interesting because you got to see – fascism take over a country mm-hmm. and there was a country recovering inch by inch. exactly it was a country recovering from the first world war and you know how nazism and fascism slowly worked its way into society and you know mm-hmm. at the beginning of it the nazis were getting beat up on and everything oh yeah and by the end of it the nazis were in charge pretty much we're doing we're doing the beating exactly and it was just it was just amazing, and this movie captures it very well mm-hmm. well you you go through the musical numbers uh instead of like the big musical numbers of the of the sixties like West Side Story, you know Oliver, these were academy award winning musicals. No one believes anymore that you're just walking down the street singing so so it that whole fantasy realm of musical kind of had to be thrown out of the window for this musical. And in the real musical, there's a lot of songs between the characters that they just threw out. And they only did the songs that are in the cabaret setting. Mm, Okay. Right. They did that that way. Except for the one (laughs) out in the beer garden. Yeah. yeah. Except for that one. And you notice they went out to the country for that one. The rural areas. Hmm. Um, yeah, everything else is is set on that stage in the cabaret. So you don't have the, the three characters walking down the street singing about how lovely Berlin is or anything like that. In order to like kind of kind of set the scene, you have to go into like, okay, so 1930s Germany. It's kind of it's recovering from World War One. It is it's bruised and battered. But there's still, um, and we're still in the 1930s before the crash in America, the economic uh, Great Depression. So people are still being crazy. They're being rather decadent about stuff. And so the Kit Kat Club, all with three Ks, Kit Kat Club, um, I find that amusing for some reason. Coincidence? I think not. I don't think anything Um, in this movie is coincidence. No, no, it's not. This is one of these movies where you watch it more and more, you're going to discover more and more about it, or you're going to go, Oh, I see what you did there. Um, when we get the, uh, the MC who enters in, it's Joel gray and he's very taut in a tuxedo, rouge cheeks, fake eyelashes that are obviously fake. They're not pretending. These are straight across his eye and they cut off part of them. Um, then they do the big cabaret song. Welcome in, which is the, Welcome to the club. Come on in. Come on in. Have a seat. Yada, yada, yada. Come into the story now is what it says to the audience. 
And then we start getting the songs from uh, the other characters, and we get uh, Sally Bowles's Mine Hair. So let's talk about Sally for just a hot second. She's a messed up girl, that Sally Bowles. You think? She is almost like a, a physical version of Tinkerbell. Flighty. Very, oh, what's the next thing I'm going to do? Uh, I don't know, but I'll, I'll think of it. She's clearly um, hungry for money, hungry for success, hungry for love. And then she sings mine hair. <laughs> the, uh, I don't think, I also don't think it's a coincidence in this that, uh, you know, even though it takes place in Germany, in Berlin, mm-hmm. the, the main two people that we are watching, one is American, uh, yep. very American. Mm-hmm. And the other is English, very English. Uh, so, um, you know, very much a, uh, a commentary on, and obviously this was made well after the fact. So there's a lot of like hindsight in this, like, as oh, what, yeah. you know, what's going to happen. We um, know what's coming yeah, down the we, road. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty clear very early on, like, okay, everybody knows what's going to happen. And it's just, so it's like, it's got this dark cloud over it from, from the minute it starts, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. I mean, it adds to the atmosphere. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did think it was very interesting, but I do, I, yeah, I want to talk about, um, Liza, of course, and we could, <laughs> spend, Z. Uh, we could spend, yeah, Z. we could spend an hour talking about her, but, um, okay. So this is my understanding is this is her first singing like movie, like the movie where she like comes out and sings. This is her first big movie. And on top of it, she won the best Academy award. Yes, yes. For best actress. Yeah, I think this has Liza the, is an EGOT. Uh, I, I, I think this has the most Oscars earned by a film not to win Best Picture. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, the, well, they were in competition with The Godfather. Yeah, well. Um, so. Um, but. Joel Grey won Best Supporting Actor over at Robert De Niro for Godfather. Liza is. is <laughs> think is, about that for a second. She's so captivating in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you can't take her eyes off her ever. Um, she steals every scene that she's in. Well, she has those huge saucer eyes. She does. You know, and, that just and I do wonder, compel you. both singing and performance-wise, I do wonder how much she was consciously or unconsciously channeling her mother. Like, how much... Well, I don't much, think she can help it. How, I was going to say, do you think it's just, like, the times where you're like, oh, well, that, I can really see, you know, Judy Garland in her there. Do you think that's accidental? Or well, luckily, they don't look terribly a lot alike, right? right? So Liza Liza got her father's genes for the most part, except for the singing talent, which she got from her mother, clearly. Yeah, her voice. Um, yeah, her voice is amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think here you have to rely on Bob Fosse being the director choreographer to be able to – and from everything I read, Bob Fosse choreographed even the eye movements on the dancers. I can really, I, yeah, yeah, I, I could see I, that. I don't, yeah, I was so he I don't think sure. Liza brought any of Judy in accidentally. I think this was what Bob was doing. Yeah, so if you're I, reading Judy in there, that may just be because she's her daughter. Because yeah, okay, as opposed to what Bob was doing. Or I think maybe Bob at sometimes like let's let a little Judy in here, like just maybe. to just to seal it. Because I mean, obviously that's you know that's that's some pretty powerful uh, mm-hmm. parentage to have. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're right. She's not, she's not a clone. It's not like, oh, this would have been like, although I could definitely see, you know, if this was 
done earlier or whatever, I could definitely see like even if she was younger and they gave her pigtails or something, maybe like, I, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that this is a role that Judy would have been like, Ooh, I won't do this. I mean, I, I would yeah. imagine that Judy would have loved to have played this part. Probably, but she would have been too old at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, very much so, but it's also yeah. so sophisticated of a role too. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, oh, Instead of the man pursuing the the girl, the girl is pursuing pursuing all the men. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, very much. Sally's so. going after all these men. Yes, everywhere. And which is why the mine hair song is, is kind of uh, subconsciously how she's talking about how she's going to go through Europe one man at a time, and the dancers are doing their steps by having their their bellies on top of the top of the chair, and you hear them marching in unison. At the uh, climax of mine hair. It's like, oh, I see what you did there, Fosse. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. <laughs> Pretty yeah, sneaky. Again. Mile by mile. <laughs> again, not subtle. Not subtle. Not subtle at all. <laughs> and so then we meet Brian, which is Michael York. And uh, the funny anecdote here was uh, Michael York said, well, my agent said they were looking for a Michael York type. <laughs> and he said, well, why don't you call them up? I think I might qualify. <laughs> <laughs> And so he was basically play, playing Christopher, playing Christopher Isherwood. So he had the that that you know one swath of hair kind of trying to come down over his one eye. That was kind of an Isherwood thing. He had that until he passed away in the eighties or nineties. I forget when, but yeah. Now um, but Michael York played basically the the vanilla. Um, we think he's vanilla <laughs> Englishman. And then you find out later he's not that vanilla. My no. understanding is is that at least as far as the major parts, the only actor that was in the the productions of the play was Joel Gray. That's correct. Okay, so so yeah, the, so like uh, Liza was not in the the Broadway production. She was no. not in like none of them were. Um, and do we know? Well, usually in the in the production, it's a British singer. An American writer. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's flipped. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's flipped. I, I because think... could you imagine getting Liza to do a British accent for five seconds? Well, no, but I mean, I no, just find it interesting because I think she seems mm-hmm. like it seems like much more of a commentary on America and England this at that way, time. This yeah. way, yeah. Um, do we know um, as far as the the Broadway productions? Do we know who the actors that played those roles were? Like that, like, that kind of like brought it to prominence or I, I have the revival cast, not the original cast. Gotcha. Um, uh, cabaret has been done three or four times. Yeah. I've you seen, know you've like, got a hit. I've seen various yeah. people like, like I, I understand at one point, Judy Dench played Sally, which I'm like, wow. Yeah. Uh, Melissa Hart played Sally. Um, like, so yeah, there's been a lot of, a lot of folks coming and going through that. It's one of those female roles that, Hey, if I can sing, I can do that role. Is it up? Let's go see. Because usually what they'll do is they will quote unquote stunt cast and they'll put names in the Brian and Sally roles and change them out every six months when they get bored. I remember probably I was in my early 20s and Joel Gray came back and did the uh-huh. uh, touring company of uh, this movie of the play. Yeah, he he did it in the mid eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I remember because it was a uh, chance to go see him at the Kennedy Center. It was just like, oh, yeah. But I was a poor, Fine. starving college student at the time, so no way. Yeah, yeah, no way. I think in <laughs> one of the later revivals, um, it was Alan Cumming who played that role. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Alan Cumming put his own spin on it. I was going to say entirely. that must've been really interesting as well. <laughs> well, the MC, everyone has questions about what's up with the MC. People view him as, Oh, he just is the master of ceremonies in this club. There's nothing deeper than that. I tend to argue the point. No, there's something deeper than this because he appears to be fairly omniscient about what's going on with, with the characters in the movie and in the play. Yeah, I'd, he always shows up when things have gone awry, and then he will sing something. Now, that's the structure of the play. It's also the structure of the movie. They did a lot of cross-cutting in the movie where there'll be something going on, and the MC will be on stage singing a song or doing a routine or something. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty It's pretty apparent to me that he's the not – I mean, he's the MC of the movie uh, as well as the the club. Like this is the guy who's taking the, he's telling this story um, in the movie, but he's not narrating in a way. No, no, no. But he's well, he's commenting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's bringing it to us and adding his own, you know, like little shots here and there of what's mm-hmm. going on, a uh, little commentary. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I, I, you know, and obviously he with the movie he has this sort of more ominous omnip omniscient uh omnipotent yeah one of, those, one of those omni words omniscient viewpoints <laughs> like, he just seems like he's he's definitely like he's he's not you know not just human he's like this yeah this when they do the slap dance on stage and the guy's getting beaten out up outside right right like he's yeah because he's he's placing these numbers and he's performing these numbers at times oh. where it's uh, uh, yeah and he knows what's going on like he knows what's going on outside the club Mm-hmm. We never see him outside the club, but he knows what's going on outside the club. And, oh, yeah, and, he's and very aware. Do you get the sense, and I don't want to skip to the end here, but since we're talking about the MC, I kind of get the sense that he knows that at the end of the movie, it's not just the end of the movie. He's like, nope, this place is shutting down. Yeah, it's the end of the world. It's, it's the end of my world. It's the end of the And they place. actually. It's the end yeah. of the cab. Like, life is a cabaret. This is the end of the cabaret. They say that, and, and we can like fast forward through the plot to get there, because um, a like lot of stuff happens already. In this plot. <laughs> I know, right? Um, the the British uh, gentleman starts teaching German people to speak English for money in Fräulein Schmidt's um, flop house, and you see Fräulein Schmidt and Fräulein Kost in the play. Fräulein Schmidt has an affair with um, a gentleman named Hans, and she's German and he's Jewish. And Fräulein Kost is the local um, prostitute. And she turns into being a Nazi sympathizer. And uh, while Fräulein Schneider and, and uh, Herr Schultz were going to get married, um, they persuade Fräulein Schneider not to because if she marries a Jew, she'll be considered a Jew. So instead of in the movie, a wedding actually happens. In the play, a wedding does not occur. Oh, wow because those two students are not in the play. Oh, really? They're not in the play? That, that whole thing is not in the play. Wow. Not in the, not in the most recent version of it on stage now. Gotcha. Interesting. They are not in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd been a while since I'd seen the actual, you know, movie. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. These two are here, but they're not in the stage play. Oh, <laughs> So they they kind of play out the whole. It's kind of the same thing, except in the movie they have a happy ending, temporarily. 
yeah. clearly. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, that's not stated outright. You don't need it spoon-fed to you. No. But, you know, in the movie, there's definitely not a happy ending. Froland Schneider is, is unhappy, depressed. Herr Schultz moves out of the flop house to another place and presumably gets picked up at some point because they vandalize his store during the play. Um, and then, of course, you have the whole threesome aspect relationship with Ernst and um, Max. Uh, yeah, Sally and uh, oh, what's his name? Went out of my head. Brian. Yeah, the, the English guy. Yes. And turns out she's sleeping with him and he's sleeping with him. <laughs> well, you know, that's going to get him into trouble because homosexuality was also on the list of bad things not to do. But so, we discover early on that Brian is probably mostly gay, but then he winds up sleeping with Sally. Yeah, because she, yeah, she even, um, like, accuses him of being gay. It's like, when, uh-huh. they, when they first start talking about their sexuality. And uh, so later it's not that big of a shock uh-huh. when we find out that. Two things that uh, I thought of during this whole uh, segment with Max. Um, one was a decent proposal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other was Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show. Like, <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> With uh, Max in the the Frank role. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he was definitely playing two ends against each other, so to speak. Yeah, Although and of course, then Sally that... yelling at him about his infidelity was just hilarious. It's like, really? I think really that <laughs> that part of the movie, which is probably what the play is all about, but that part of the movie kind of that that I don't want to say it didn't work for me, but it wasn't as thrilling as I I thought, I thought some of the rest of it was. Well, yeah, you, you also have to remember the time. I know, I get it. You know, nineteen seventy. Oh, sure. No, 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 I get it. Ooh, scandal to show a bisexual relationship, no matter how brief, on screen. No, it was very, very taboo a little bit at that time. Oh, yeah, totally. Because we, we've discussed... Um, well, they barely girls, show it. We've discussed the boys. They barely show it because that's all they could get away with. Yeah, yeah. There was no actual sex on stage or on film, but you definitely know things were going on. There were enough looks and enough pauses to give you that oh here it is got it oh look at the song the menage a trois song mm-hmm. you know that's the two ladies mm-hmm. exactly it's right there oh yes <laughs> it is right there that's what's going on it's right in your face mm-hmm. so we get to the end and uh sally winds up uh becoming pregnant she doesn't know whose it is not a surprise no. i don't even think she knew how she got pregnant or <laughs> what, what the symptoms were since she went into a library, you know, it was like, she was looking it up. I don't know what it means when I haven't had my period. In no, 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 no. She went to the library to tell him. I don't think well, she was, looking, I don't think she was, looking <laughs> I think, I think she'd be looking for a dictionary. She doesn't seem that smart. <laughs> well, that's, that's probably true, but <laughs> she's talented, uh, but honestly. not a smarty. <laughs> yeah. She's not, a, she's very, she's very talented. She just, yeah. uh, in the, in the play version, um, she gets an abortion without telling him um, and sells her fur coat to pay for it. Same as in the movie. So that pretty much is consistent. Um, and this is when the writer character has decided it's time to leave Berlin. I have to leave Berlin. Um, you have to leave Berlin because of everything that's going on. And Sally just refuses. 
Sally wants her career above everything. And this is why I think it works better for Sally to be British than American, because why would an American go to Germany to sing in a cabaret act when Hollywood is in California? Yeah, they, when, they, she, when she talks about being a Hollywood star. Yeah, that, that threw me a little bit. It was yeah. like the whole thing. Oh, I want to be in movies. I want to be a starlet. I want to Why be, are you here? Germany is not the place you want to be for that. No. Well, I mean, they were doing some in, interesting things back then. I was going to say, I mean, we are talking but, about the, uh, the German film movement uh, back then was pretty strong. But I will say, and I think they, they, they table that a little bit with uh, all the stuff about her dad. Yeah, so um, which is not in the play. Right. So it kind of makes <laughs> sense from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So that that all that stuff happens, and then um, the writer leaves. Yeah, the, the the writer leaves Berlin. He has to go back to you know. He was he, only supposed he, to be there temporarily anyway to get credit yep, for his, his visas yeah. over. Yep. You know, so he heads back in in the play. He gets um, some money wired to him um, from the states to to fly back home or get shipped back home, whatever he's going to do. And in this version, I think he was, he just had enough money to get on a plane or the train to go back to, to London. Yeah. In the movie, they don't really like, they don't go into it much. Like they had the $150 each from max. Right. But to pay for whatever. (laughs) But I mean, they, I mean, she blows through that because she needs to sell her coat for the abortion. So yeah, exactly. um, But yeah, I mean, they just kind of, all of a sudden they're at the station and she, and he's getting on the train. And I'm like, um, did we, what happened did there, we right? decide that he was leaving? Like it seemed mm-hmm. really sudden in the movie. It, it's really sudden in the movie. It's not that sudden and sudden in the play. It comes after he gets beaten up. Obviously mm. he's like, yeah, the Nazis are going to win. It's time to leave <laughs> that would Berlin. Do <laughs> yep. Time to leave Berlin. Let's go. And it's the funny thing, right? It's, it's the gays, it's the immigrants, it's the, it's the Jewish people. These are the people who are going to be affected most by this. And they are at the most not paying attention to what's going on around them. Mm-mm. The world's falling down around their eyes and all they see is the Kit Kat club. Meanwhile, you see you're driving by, Oh, this guy got his head bashed in. Well, the most telling was, you know, when one of the final scenes and the whole audience were all Nazis. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I and that's where I kind of get the impression that the you know because Joel kind of looks at the camera to say like yeah this is the end this is the end like this is mm-hmm. the, the, we're not gonna you know we're not gonna perform well Sally sings that song the the cabaret yeah. song which everyone they, if they only hear you know life is a cabaret they think oh this is a great song it's fun it's peppy yeah no no no. No. no, that's another thing that threw me when she was performing, and I'm like, "Oh, wait, no, this doesn't mean what I thought." The, it. the story about Elsie is right there. Sally commits suicide. Sally takes herself out. Yeah, that's uh, that. She, she says, quite frankly, I want to be when I go. I'm going like Elsie. Yep. Yeah. Pills and liquor. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to Garland in your head, and you go, "Ho, ho, ho!" Yeah, there's, yeah, that's. It ties right back there. So. <laughs> yep. A of, yep. A lot, of, a lot of not so subtle subtext. Not 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 at all subtle sub- subtext at all. In the play version, uh, in the one that Alan Cumming did, and this was true to the production, I believe that they did on stage, where Joel Gray does his bow out and then just leaves. And in that production, they had a mirror aimed towards the audience. So you could see the people in the audience. So that's what that mirror ball effect mm-hmm. is. 
going on right there in the new production that Alan Cumming was a part of at the end before he sings his um, song, the, the Kit Kat club turns into a concentration camp and he takes off his jacket and underneath is the, the black and white with the Jewish star and the pink triangle on it. And then he sings the three lines out and then it's darkness. This is not a movie to make you feel good. <laughs> oh, not at all. This is not a movie that you're going to sit at home and go, oh, wasn't that a good time at the movie theaters? I want to go see the no. play now. I know, right? This is a tale warning us about being complacent when fascism rises. Mm-hmm. And it's scary in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the peppy songs are like have an edge to them. Like, like money makes the world go round is probably mm-hmm. the, if not the most famous, the second most famous song in, oh, yeah. in this. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's so biting and sharp in this movie that it, it's uncomfortable to watch. I mean, they're doing their performance is great. Smooth. They, they, they're like, you know, I couldn't help but think of, you know, Judy at her height with uh, with some of the greats like Mickey Rooney and and Fred Astaire and all that. But yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, Liza and and Joel are, are wonderful performing that song together. Um, but it's 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 not comfortable. No, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. <laughs> That's a good way to <laughs> on purpose. Yes, oh, of absolutely. course. Oh, yeah. Oh, there was nothing in this movie that was done just, you know, subtle, subtle or anything. Subtle? Yeah. Like, I mean, the whole the whole song about if you could see her through my eyes. What a beautiful love song until the last five words. Or six words, sorry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, bam, right in the throat. You were enjoying a nice comical piece. It was amusing, ha 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 ha, and then right in the gut. Oh, this, this is this is a musical that matters um, in our world because of what uh, our political climate is now. We're a little divisive, to say the least. I think yeah, in the country, thing. just a bit divisive. We have people egging on the differences to make us more different than we actually are. At the end of the day. At the end of the day, what matters is that we rise up and unite against those who would separate us and make us feel like the other is the cause of all of our problems. Well, always taking blame and pointing fingers elsewhere where they should be looking at themselves. Yep. Because we know. We know what happens. None of these characters are going to survive. None of these characters no, are going to survive. No, not at all. You basically watched Hamlet without the last act. <laughs> Because none of them make it out alive. I mean, Brian's going to go to England. That means next to nothing. There are bombings all over Europe and London. So who knows if he would have survived that or all, at he all. He would probably get drafted, right? Yeah, he probably would be drafted. Or, or be jailed for being gay. Because that was a thing. And when, they, when the Allies came to the concentration camps, they kept the gay people in them because being gay was an unacceptable crime to most of the allies back then. It still is to some of them. Yep. So 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a feel good piece, right? <laughs> well, it's it's but great performances. It's dark, but it's so beautiful. It's um, dark and necessary. Yeah, I think so. Um and as you guys point out, I mean it's 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 unfortunately timely. Um but um and it's you know, I mean it's it's sexy. Like can we oh, yeah. say that too? I mean, look, I mean Liza's <laughs> <laughs> Liza's uh, cabaret outfit with the garters and everything is probably, it's so simple, but it's probably one of the sexiest outfits in the history of film. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's up there for sure. Oh yeah. With the, the top hat and her, the hat and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The top hat and the, and the slinky, you know, barely covered. Each bread. one of these girls is a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Not. You don't believe me? Mm-hmm. You can check yourself. Check for yourself. Check Helga. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not not a movie you want to show little kids for sure. No, um, you definitely want to watch this when you're you know you're more acquainted with world history because you're not going to get it. Yeah, I, I'm otherwise. Guessing, I didn't see a rating on this when I watched it, but I'm guessing it was R. Originally, it was it was going to be X. Yeah, I could see that. Because of the sex content, mm-hmm. and they had to cut some stuff. Yep, exactly. Well, it's never because of the violence. No, no, it's never because of violence. No, violence, that would be PG-13. Well, back then, PG. Well, PG, yeah, PG back then. Yeah. I, I think they had to warn people this is not a musical you take your kids to because the only people doing musicals back then were the big pastiche movie musicals or Disney, and Disney less so. But... uh yeah. yeah, this was just this, a hard time for the movie musical because this, everything this socially had blown up. Music, kids, no, no, <laughs> no, no, it's not. Although, also about Nazis. Interesting. How about that? How about that? <laughs> well, I, I think, like, yeah, I mean, with everything as dark as this movie is, and everything that's happening, I think for me the scariest, you know, scene is the the Hitler Youth scene. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. Oh, so creepy! Uh, the one out at the beer garden. Yep, oh, it's com- it was completely singing. innocent. Yep. Mm-hmm. When they just the one kid started singing, and then everyone started joining in, and then I loved what you know Michael York said. Still have them under control, do you? Yeah, just a question. Mm-hmm. That's why that guy went to Argentina. Max, I'm going to Argentina He's for like, a while. I'm out. Yep, peace. <laughs> well that's what happens right in war people with money who can leave yeah. the area will sure of course or they're, or they're leaving other people behind yeah, to deal with they, the aftermath or they're not affected because they can buy their way out of stuff yeah well there's that bone spurs um there's that well he finally, so, he finally made it to vietnam it's okay he did yes he did so, uh, so, so what would you say, um, you know, uh, you know, personal feelings aside, what would you say is the impact mm-hmm. of the play and especially the, the movie on, uh, certainly pop culture as well as, uh, you know, as well as, as what we're talking about, which is, which is, Jacob, <laughs> right. well, the impact is we, we, we have fought long and hard for some, for rights and those rights have been born off the, the backs of people who didn't make it through the eighties and the nineties and the aughts um, due to a horrible disease that was ignored by the government. 
uh, for longer than it should have been due to no funding and, and animus to the community. We are facing large numbers of hate crime increases across the country right now, specifically um, against trans women and trans women of color. That's never a good sign. Um, hate uh, groups have apparently gone up in numbers, according to the Southern Poverty um, Law folks who, who actually track hate organizations across the country. We have to be aware. We have to stay forever vigilant, and we have to remain aware of the fact that every day we have to fight for our rights to exist. Everything else is, is extra after that, but just to have the ability to exist is a freedom that we have in this country, and we have to hold on to it no matter what anyone would like to tell us. No matter what anyone says about other people coming here, quote-unquote, to take your jobs, you're an American and you should act like it, and that means we treat each other with respect at the end of the day. And that's one of those things where um, I'm a fan of the uh, the tolerance paradox. Have you heard about this? Where in order to be tolerant, you have to be intolerant of those who are intolerant. In order to tolerate people, you must be able to say to someone who is intolerant, I don't tolerate you. Because if we tolerate the intolerant pretty soon, the only people who will be tolerated are the ones that the intolerant agree with. So people may disagree with my opinions. People may disagree with other things. But when they cross the line, when they, when they decide to say that my ability to exist as a human being should be up for debate. Well, that's ridiculous. But that's where this is. Oh, I know. I know. I know I, you know. <laughs> I know you know. No, so, exactly. And that kind of thinking mm-hmm. is, is so... It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> no, it's outdated. It well, backwards. totally it's outdated. And But we're also dealing with people who don't believe that this time of history actually existed. There's proof that it does. Yeah, I know. That we're dealing with people who think the earth is flat. I know. Trust me, I know. I'm looking forward you know? to that uh, reality show where they try to find oh my the, God. the earth. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. We're dealing with people who think, you know, vaccines are bad and we're having measles outbreaks. So, you know, there's all kinds of things going on right now and people need, and it's going on in different corners, in different areas. Cabaret is a call to action and a call to resist apathy. I can see that's that. what cabaret. That's why cabaret is important. It is a lesson to the audience to say, "Hey, wake up! Look at what's going on around you. What can you do about it? Do it." Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going on. Or no, just just sit in the Kit Kat Club. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. As the world crashes around your ears. Uh-huh. In fact, uh, he actually, uh, Brian, says that in the play. Um, we were in the Kit Kat Club. There there was a cabaret. There was an MC, And I was dancing with Sally Bowles, and the world was ending. <laughs> hmm. there's, there's your summary hmm. for cabaret right there. Four <laughs> sentences at the end of the play. Exactly. The world is changing, and this is a good example of it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Oh, always. What's the, what's the famous Chinese curse? May you live in interesting times. Mm. Hey. 
I like to, uh-huh. I like nice calm times. <laughs> Indeed. I don't know Indeed. if there's a if there's sexy looks in as this, then uh, give me the cabaret any day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay because next time we're going to do something lighter. I promise, guys. I promise we'll do something much lighter and fair. I'm going to go visit my favorite auntie. I'm almost afraid. Really? (laughs) Really? Why are you afraid? Oh, Darren, you take us on trips where we don't go often. I know. I know. And I love it. But that's that's why we, you know, that's why we have you with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate bringing a little fabulousness. Sometimes I got to bring it real, you know, and this was, this was, yeah, it's a musical, but it's, it's a real musical when you apply it to the issues going on today that's why it's important well exactly and it's not supposed to make you feel warm and fuzzy this gives you you know makes you makes you want to squirm in your seat there's reasons for that yep it certainly is it's a very squirmy thing and when you especially that that musical number about if you could see it through mine eyes and you realize oh that's how easy you turn someone Against a whole group of people. That song right there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. Just masterful work from Candor and Ebb. And we might do Chicago down the road. I I haven't decided. There's not a lot of LGBT content in it. Um, But certainly, hey, it's a musical, right? So maybe that qualifies it on its own. I've seen that one. But uh, you've seen that one? I've seen the movie. I haven't seen the play. Mm -hmm. I've done both. You've done both? Mm -hmm. Of course. All, All those legs. Yes. All those legs everywhere. Of course, you've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, very cool. Well, thank you for uh, bringing this up. I think it's, like like I said, I think it's apt. And I think it's a, you know, it's an important movie. So if people haven't seen it, um, you know. uh, Historically, it's a great movie. I I definitely uh, recommend it. uh, Really highest possible marks i mean it's you know you see sometimes you see some of these movies that have won all these academy awards and you see them and you're like well that's not really i mean maybe for the time it was okay but right now it just doesn't you know it doesn't it doesn't Mm -hmm. uh, live up to the reputation well it doesn't speak to what's going on right now right it does it's not as as timeless it's it's more like of its time right this seems more like maybe it's because of the atmosphere that fossey creates in the movie but it just seems like it's got a timeless quality to it Mm mm-hmm Oh, I think it and does. You can definitely see where its influence is still uh, out there. So agreed. Excellent. Well, thank you, Sue, <laughs> sir. You are welcome. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll be right back with the ESO Network comic book. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the new chapter for the game, Dead by Daylight, that was just announced today. So, for the last few weeks, the developers of the game Dead by Daylight have been hinting at a new chapter with a new survivor and a new killer for the game as well. For those not familiar with the game Dead by Daylight, it's an asymmetrical game where you have four survivors and one killer. The killer chases their survivors, trying to knock them down and hook them on a hook at least three times. And the survivors run around trying to fix generators. Once they fix five, they can open a door so they can escape. Now, this game has a lot of different characters, including many from horror movies like Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, 
um, the cannibal from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then their own original characters like the Huntress, the Hillbilly, the Wraith, and stuff like that. So it's really, really cool. They also have survivor characters. Some of them are based off of the movies, and some of them are original characters that they've made. Now, the new character, the new killer, is called The Plague. She looks like a mummy, and she just looks really, really cool. And she carries around an incense burner with her. And then we have a new female survivor named Jane Romero, who is a talk show host who ends up getting in a car accident and dying. And then the entity from the game that makes all of this happen takes her and puts her in this PvP survival game. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how these characters play out in the game, how they look, how their perks are, because some of them have really, really cool perks. And then also the changes that are coming to the game where the generators, well, you can only work on certain ones at the beginning, and then the other ones are unlocked as you proceed, so the killer can actually like catch you faster. So it's going to be really interesting to see how all that works as well. I have really been enjoying playing this game, and if you like PvP games that are horror-themed, then you should totally check this out. It's available for PC and consoles, and it's really fun, but also super intense. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. For the week of March 5th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report. In the month of March, you can find ESO Network folks all over the Southeast, starting this Friday, March 8th, at Daredevils of Wrestling. That's KFW Presents Daredevils of Wrestling. That is at the RV Resort Conference Center in Sevierville, I think it's Sevierville, Tennessee. Um, you can find the PWR host himself, Richard. He will be there doing a live pre-show podcast. So arrive early and uh, you can be on an episode of PWR with Richard. Uh, you can look that up in KFW events on Facebook or you can get in touch with him uh, directly. We will have links in the show notes for both of those. So that is on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Greenville, South Carolina. It is the SC Comic-Con. And, uh, Mike, this is actually one of our favorite conventions to do. Uh, we love everybody there associated with it on uh, behind the scenes as well as attending. A lot of friends of the station are going to be there. And we, we've, got, uh, we've got a presence there. We, uh, not only are we going to have tables, we'll have an ESO Network table. That is table number five. 25 and uh tiki zombie myself and artist peter cutler will be in artist 524 so uh across the aisle from each other uh we will be staring at each other it's gonna be awkward we'll be throwing but, things it'll be good okay yes yeah, so yeah, that's true we'll be throwing things so um so um but we'll also be uh handling some panel duties uh on both saturday and sunday and mike uh i'm so excited about uh, all the panels that we'll be doing, the three panels that we'll be doing starting on Saturday at noon. That's right. We're going to be interviewing wrestling legend, not just any wrestler, wrestling legend, Mick Foley. He is a Hall of Famer yes, and he is. a New York Times selling best artist, uh, author. 
That's right. And it's going to be awesome. We are going to be doing that 12 noon on Saturday. And then on Saturday, we are going to be doing a So You Want a Podcast panel. And we have some friends going to be joining us. So it'll be Mike and I and a couple other folks. And we will be in room B of the panel rooms. And we'll be talking all about podcasting. And then get this, Sunday at 2.30 p.m., we are going to be talking to Kevin Eastman, one of the creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's, uh, it's a great, a fantastic number of panels that we're going to be participating in. Uh, we have a wrestling Hall of Famer on Saturday and a comic book Hall of Famer on Sunday. And in the middle, we get to talk about things that we love, like podcasting. And all the other rest of the times, we'll be at our tables and we will be, uh, we would love to talk to everybody who's attending. So come find us again. Uh, we will be at tables 524 and 525. You'll Mike be at Mike. your table. I'll be looking for pop figures. That's true. That's true. He will. Yeah. If you, you're probably better off if you want to find Mike Faber to, to go where the pop figures are, that's where Faber will be. Uh, I will be at my table and, uh, and, and yes, it's going to be a great time. We're going to have a blast. So, uh, so check us out. If you are anywhere near the Greenville area this weekend, come and find us. It's going to be a blast. Uh, and then, uh, sort of towards the end of March, March 22nd through the 25th is a brand new show in East Ridge, Tennessee. It is Matrotham Con, and I will be there. Uh, I will be there with Peter Cutler, and we will uh, be representing Tiki Zombie up there. Of course, I'll also be representing Earth Station One, and uh, it's going to be a blast uh, to be representing the, both at this new new convention. Uh, also, our good friends Ricky and Bambi will be in attendance. They will be performing as Radio Cult on Saturday night. I believe it's Saturday night. It's Friday, Saturday night. They're going to be there as well. So you know it's going to be a good time if Radio Cult's in the house. There's going to be music, uh, good music to listen to. So, so, And plenty of other guests too. So we'll have links to all of that in the show notes so you can check it out. But that's where you can find ESO Network folks in the month of March. If you've got a show that you want us to help participate in, do panels, uh, look at our resume. It's impressive. Um, please reach out to us because we love talking about conventions. So let's go wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Darren, thank you for bringing this topic. You are more than welcome. It was awesome. It was great going back to the cabaret, old chum. It's fun. It's a fun place to be. Mm, to a point. To a point. To a point. Yeah. <laughs> right. To a point. The audience was getting a little fascist for me. But that's uh, okay. a, a very, a very pointed nice point. Nice place to visit, but I'm not sure I'd want to live there. Oh, sure. Come on. In exactly. fact, I'm positive I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah, most of us wouldn't want to live there. We should no. remember that daily. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um, not really. Everything's just uh, same old, same old. Although I think I've committed to a cosplay for Dragon Con, but I was saving that for the Dragon Con show. So. Okay. Well, that's going to be coming to you in a few weeks, so we'll yep. wait till then. Yeah, ooh, spoiler. A teaser. Spoiler. (laughs) He's teasing the Dragon Con. So, is things heating up with the Legion stuff? Bendis keeps sending out Twitter teases 
and I refer to it as, oh, look, TC's tickling my testicles again. Um, there, Doomsday Clock number nine is supposed to be out again this week. It was supposed to be out last week and the week before that and the week before that. Um, it keeps getting delayed. No one knows why. And it's the one with the Legion ring on the cover. So we don't know what's going on. We have no clue. And I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, DC doesn't know what's going on. Um, I haven't read Doomsday Clock at all. Um, I will, depending upon what happens with issue nine, I will pick it up on Comixology and read through it. But I'm not going to pick it up for one panel of a Legionnaire oh, in sure. a 32 page book for $5.99. And I'm, I'm really sick of DC doing that. It's like, oh my God, a Legion appearance. One panel, one person. No. Yeah, they did That's, that with the Justice Society crap. Yeah. Uh huh. I'm like, no, no. I've had it with the breadcrumbs. Get a real book together. And call yep. me when you do. <laughs> Until then, I'm, I've been on my personal little boycott, which I'm sure DC doesn't care about, but still, you know, yeah, well, you know DC. Well, it's like I, I would like a book with my favorite characters in it. That's all I'm asking for. Of course, you know, course. I, I'm not one of those guys who who buys 80 issues of Batman a month. Sorry, sorry, Mikey. <laughs> well, I mean, my, Batman's a great character, but enough's enough. Show some variety, please. <laughs> yes, I know, we ha- I know we have Batwoman, and we have Batgirl, and we have Robin, and we have Nightwing, and we have Red Hood. That's most of their line right now. There's a they've <laughs> got their own Bat Legion, really. Yeah, Bat Legion, Bat Cow, yeah. <laughs> all all the Robins can throw a rock and hit a Robin these days. So the Batman that laughs, the Batman that yeah. cries, the Batman, <laughs> the Batman that emotes constantly. Exactly. You know, I could, I could it's like. See them whatever and then the, people get upset you're, well you're not reading the other books because uh, the other books aren't good put some put some good books out and we'll read them I promise mm-hmm. you word will get out but you've got to have a, a, a creative team to commit to a book not just six issues and then they're out no I agree uh, uh, you got me to rant damn it Faber <laughs> got me to rant Yes, oh. my job is done. This is this is shoutouts, not random raves. I know it's the wrong segment, and here I am monologuing. Ah, oh. right, I'm done. Okay, that this- hold hold on one more thing. Oh. Hold oh, on, if you think I'm going to Star Wars Land even as a Disney freak until 2021, 2022, maybe 2023, you're you're freaking insane. <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah, you thought the lines were bad for when Harry Potter was started at Universal. Oh my God, the lines are going to start at the at the state line. <laughs> exactly. I think they're going to start here. Exactly. Possibly. They'll be starting at Dragon Con. <laughs> Probably. I better get out my end of the line. Ooh, ooh, there's another cosplay. Line starts here for Galaxy's Edge. Line starts here for Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> Just walk around with that. Line starts here for Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> That's hilarious. That that's might be, that might actually be my Thursday night. I'm too drunk to get dressed up costume. <laughs> You'll probably that'll probably win the weekend. Probably. Yep. <laughs> All awesome. right. And Mr. Mike, thank you, my friend. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're gonna shout out about, sir? Uh, absolutely. Speaking of comics, uh, I want to give a shout out to our good friend Rob Jones, who uh, is working on the second issue 
of High Spot, uh, which is the story of Kate Carter, who is a um, stunt double slash uh, adventurer. And uh, she, this is the second issue. It, uh, is, it just started up on Kickstarter. So people can check it out. And uh, if they like the first issue, and even if they miss the first issue, uh, there's plenty of opportunities in this Kickstarter to get both issues one and two, either digitally or print editions. So uh, it's good stuff by a good, good guy. So I definitely recommend checking it out. That is awesome. Uh, my shout out goes out to... Actually, it's going to be a little bit of a sad thing because, you know, I think all of us were a little shocked by the passing of Luke Perry. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, we just talked about Luke about two, three weeks ago when we did the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer review. And it was just flooring. He's our age, early 50s. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to have a stroke and then to pass away from it is just amazing. It's heartbreaking to think about and you know that's why i'm gonna tell all our friends out there no matter what age you're at take care of yourselves you know go to go to the doctor if you for your regular physicals you know check out you know if you have a family history of illness be aware of it and don't take it lightly because you know you never know when the last time you see somebody, it will be the last time you could talk to them and say, I love you or, Hey, thanks for being my friend or whatever. You know, it's just, you know, just don't take things for granted. And, you know, it kind of opened my eyes for some things and it's just, it's crazy. And, you know, just take care of yourselves and, you know, it just shows you how short life is and how much it will, life likes throwing a little curveball at you. It's true. So, you know, we all have to take that into account. <sighs> Sorry to bring everything down like that, but, you know, it's just reality kind of hits you across the face like that sometimes. So, mm-hmm. Don't worry. So, Life is a cabaret. Yeah, you can just watch cabaret. It'll make you feel much better. Old oh, chum. Uh, yes, exactly. Watch cabaret. It's a big pick-me-up. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, Not really. Not really. But speaking of pick-me-ups, we'll be back again next week, and we are doing a movie review, and we are Shocker! Doing, Wait, we are, are we reviewing a movie that starts with C again? Exactly. Another C movie. Hmm. All about the C movies, baby. Exactly. So we were talking about Shazam. No. <laughs> the silent C. Exactly. <laughs> Shazam. Marvel. Shazam. Yeah, see, it doesn't, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. All right. I want to go see Captain Marvel and then go see Captain Marvel. Exactly. Double feature. Two Captain Marvel movies. It's awesome. So, yeah, we are going to see the Marvel version of Captain Marvel. It should be a lot of fun and got a lot of fun people lined up to talk all about it. So it should be really interesting to see what we got going on. But, you know, we want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com and let us know what's going on. We will talk to you all real soon and hope you guys have a great week. And don't forget to come see us at South Carolina Comic Con this weekend. Take it easy. Peace. And we're done. Woohoo! Boom. All right, gentlemen. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. 
Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.